Thank you for downloading this sermon from Heritage Baptist Church. We are so glad that you did. We believe that biblically faithful, Christ-centered, God-glorifying local churches are the primary means that God has chosen to expand His kingdom. If you are part of such a church, we hope that this message will supplement your spiritual diet. If you aren't yet part of such a church, we would love for you to visit us. For more details, please check out our website www.heritagebaptist.co.za Well, I would like to thank everyone for your warm hospitality shown to me, a stranger, a foreigner, and sadly, an American. (laughs) So it has been wonderful to be here in your midst. Let's briefly pray once again, not that the other prayers were ineffectual, but let's pray and ask for God to be with us as we study his word. Lord, our God, we thank you for this privilege of worshiping you in song, in hearing your word read, and seeking you in prayer. And now we come once again in prayer in order to ask for your Holy Spirit to take your word and write it upon every single heart in this auditorium, from the youngest to the oldest, that we would know personally, truly, really, the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, please turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, whether on your phone or a paper Bible. Turn to Mark chapter 1 and verse 40. Mark chapter 1 and verse 40. This message concludes the conference, although there will be an event on Wednesday for some. And this message really relates to everyone, whether you're married or not married, whether you're young or old. It doesn't matter what your background is. This message applies to all of us. And the purpose is to encourage each and every one of you to... Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart to persevere in faith. And if you're not a Christian yet, to indeed trust in the Lord for the first time. But the purpose is to encourage you because some of you may have left some of these messages during the conference a little bit convicted of sin, perhaps discouraged, but hopefully encouraged. And so this message is to encourage all of us. So Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 40. And there comes to him, the Lord Jesus, a leper beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying unto him, If you will, you can make me clean. And being moved with compassion, he stretched forth his hand and touched him and said unto him, I will be thou made clean. And straightway the leprosy departed from him, and he was made clean. And that's our reading of the word of God this morning. 
I'd like you to see three main things from this passage. First of all, the leper. Secondly, the Lord. And thirdly, the liberation. So the leper, the Lord, the liberation. So first of all, the leper. And if you would keep your Bibles open, uh, this would be helpful for you, I'm sure. First of all, the leper. Notice with me, first of all, his condition before the Lord. This unnamed man was a leper. And in the Old Testament, leprosy referred to a variety of infectious skin diseases, both serious as well as superficial. It also referred to various molds and mildews that could come on to clothing or even walls. The word leprosy and its related terms occurs 55 times in the Old Testament and 13 times in the New Testament. Now we know today that the leprosy which affects people is caused by a bacterium which attacks the nervous system of the body. Symptoms are first manifested in the skin and then peripheral nervous system and then spread to other parts of the body such as the hands, the feet, the face itself. People with leprosy experience disfigurement of skin and bones and face. The nose often collapses. There's the twisting of the limbs. There's the curling of the fingers to form what is called a characteristic claw hand of the leper. Tumor-like growths called lepromas form on the skin and inside the respiratory tract and the optic nerves usually deteriorate leading to a loss of sight. As nerves are damaged there's a loss of pain sensation and that occurs throughout the body and as a result because the leper doesn't feel pain Accidents happen and for, for, uh, further deformities develop due to extensive nerve damage and that inability to sense pain. The damaged flesh of the leper leads to infections. Infections which are usually not even felt, they're not sensed, and then they're not healed. And consequently, the flesh of the leper decays. It putrefies and smells very badly. Leprosy itself does not actually kill an individual, and we can be thankful for that. But as it progresses, not surprisingly, the leper often despairs emotionally, internally, as his body continues to degenerate and deform over the course of years. And then, in the days of the Old Testament and the New Testament, such lepers were abhorred and shunned by people, including their loved ones, and the leper merely existed as one who was like the living dead. They were like dead people in many ways, but they're still alive. Leprosy is also spread by multiple skin contacts with other people, as well as the droplets that spray out from the mouth or the nose, and those secretions then touch somebody else, and those individuals can start to contract leprosy as well. 
And because of these realities, lepers were then physically isolated from other people to prevent its spread. And if you turn in your Bibles to Leviticus 13, verse 45, we see instruction given to us by God concerning this disease of leprosy. Leviticus 13 and verse 45. Here we have clear directions to lepers regarding where they were to live and how they were to announce their approach to anyone who was not a leper. Leviticus 13 verse 45. And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent or torn, and the hair of his head shall go loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and shall cry, Unclean! Unclean! All the days wherein the plague is in him, he shall be unclean. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone. Without the camp shall his dwelling be. And there we stop our reading of God's word. So the disease of leprosy made an individual a social outcast and a religious outcast as well, preventing participation in family worship, in synagogue worship in the days of the Jews, or in temple worship in Jerusalem. The leper was excluded from participation in any of the Jewish feasts, such as Passover. So in summary, every aspect of the leper's life, spiritual, intellectual, emotional, social, and physical, every aspect of the leper's life was negatively and pervasively impacted by this dread disease of leprosy. But that's his condition. But now notice, secondly, the lepers coming to the Lord in verse 40 of Mark chapter 1. Notwithstanding the realities of his walking death, which could be immediately seen by all, as well as the requirements of Leviticus 13, this specific leper left his isolated life and sought the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not told in this passage how he heard about the Lord Jesus Christ, but in the Gospel of Mark, Mark makes it very plain that the word about Jesus Christ spread like wildfire throughout all of Israel. People heard about this unusual person, Jesus, and his power to heal people of all of their diseases. So though we're not told how, clearly he heard about the Lord Jesus. And notice, the leper comes beseeching the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not told in the passage whether or not the leper called out unclean, unclean. He very well may have done that as he approached the Lord. But we are told by Mark that the leper came to the Lord Jesus Christ imploring and begging him for mercy. So this was not a casual request of a stranger asking for directions. 
You know, I could go up to Joe and say, hey, Joe, could you tell me how to get to this local coffee shop? That's not what this leper did. This was not some inquiry. Well, what's the weather going to be like the rest of today? No, this leper came with an earnest, heartfelt, desperate pleading for help. Try to put yourself in his shoes, as it were, being a leper. This was not a casual approach. He earnestly implored and begged the Lord Jesus Christ for help. But notice, secondly, the leper, we're told, comes kneeling before the Lord Jesus. He didn't come just strolling up to the Lord Jesus, you know, casually. Hey, how you doing, man? No, he didn't do that. The leper did not do that. Once in the presence of the Lord Jesus, or perhaps even some distance from the Lord Jesus, he fell down upon his knees. And kneeling down before the Lord Jesus Christ, he began this begging for help. You see, the, the leper understood that the posture of his body in the presence of the Lord was not a matter of insignificance or indifference. Whatever the leper's present understanding was about who the Lord Jesus Christ was, he clearly understood enough to know that he should be humbled before this unbelievable man in every respect. He had nothing to give to the Lord Jesus Christ. He had nothing of which to boast before the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a leper. He was needy. He was helpless. He was a beggar. So he knelt down before the Lord. But notice thirdly, the leper comes speaking to the Lord Jesus. Now surely, because of his physical appearance as a leper, the leper didn't really need to say to the Lord Jesus Christ, here's what my problem is, here's what my need is. It was as plain as the noonday sun what his problem was, namely that he was a leper. But nevertheless, you see, the leper communicates he speaks, he lays out his desire to the Lord Jesus Christ with very few direct and plain words. But notice from the passage, it's very interesting. The leper did not explicitly make a request of the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't explicitly do that. He simply stated a fact that he believed that the Lord was able to cleanse him of his leprosy. In the original language, he literally stated, not asked, but literally stated to the Lord, you are able me to cleanse. If you translated it, that's what it would be. You are able me to cleanse. There was no doubt in the mind of the leper that the Lord Jesus could cleanse him thoroughly. But it's also worth noting that immediately before stating his confidence in the Lord's ability to cleanse him, so he didn't doubt his power, there's no doubt about that, but before he stated that belief in the Lord's ability to cleanse him, the leper stated, if you will, if you will. 
with this simple statement, if you will, did the leper question the willingness of the Lord Jesus Christ to cleanse him? You have the power, Lord, I believe that. I'm not sure about your willingness. Was that what he was doing? Or was this an acknowledgement by the leper that the Lord was not under any obligation to cleanse him? The Lord was and is a sovereign who could do as he pleased. If the Lord chose not to cleanse him of his leprosy, the leper would have no justifiable complaint for such cleansing and deliverance was not owed to him. Perhaps this leper, we don't know, but perhaps this leper remembered from the scriptures the situation in the days of Elisha the prophet from the Old Testament. And the Lord Jesus on at least one occasion in his public ministry made reference to the days of Elisha. And we can read of it in Luke 4. I'll read it for you. We read there, Jesus spoke these words, And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed but only Naaman the Syrian. Maybe this leper in Mark, maybe he knew his scriptures, knew that history, we don't know, but realized this Lord has the power to cleanse me. He is probably willing to do so, but he does not owe it to me, the leper. And thus he stated, if you will, you are able me to cleanse. So that's the leper. But now let's turn our attention to the Lord in the second place. The Lord, look at verse 41 of Mark chapter 1. Notice, first of all, the Lord's disposition toward the leper. We're told by Mark, and being moved with compassion. In the original language, again, the meaning is that Jesus yearned in his bowels, in the stomach area. He yearned in his bowels with true sympathy and pity and compassion for this leprous man kneeling before him. This man in his tragic condition, his desperate need, this man with his very simple and artless words, it actually stirred the holy emotions of the Lord Jesus in the deepest recesses of his being. This was what I would call a truly gut-wrenching scene before the eyes and the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see, the Lord was not some piece of rock, granite stone. He wasn't just some big wooden tree without any emotions. No, his soul was stirred. He was not detached. The Lord was not aloof. He was not cold-hearted, indifferent. He was moved with compassion. But notice also from verse 41, secondly, the Lord's actions upon this leper. Mark tells us that the Lord stretched out his hand 
and touched this leper. This touch was not a quick, light, superficial touch. It wasn't something like this. It wasn't that. Now you might think that when you read the English, but the meaning of the original is that the Lord stretched forth and attached, attached his hand to the leper, perhaps laying his hand upon the leper's head. We are not told, but he was kneeling before the Lord, but the Lord clearly reached forth, stretched his hand forth, touched, laid hold of the leper, maybe on his head. This was, of course, something very shocking. No one in their right mind dared or wanted to do what Jesus did, for to do this, first of all, would make an individual, a Jew, ceremonially unclean, and then remove that Jew from the privileges of worship and society for a time. In addition, as I've already mentioned earlier, a touch could indeed transfer the dreaded disease of leprosy. But you see, the Lord Jesus Christ was not thinking of himself. He was thinking of this leper. He wasn't thinking about what will this do to me. He was thinking of this leper in all of his need. The Lord Jesus Christ did not live on this earth to serve himself. He didn't live on this earth thinking about how will this affect me. He was not self-centered, self-serving, self-indulgent, self-loving. No, he was just the opposite. And you see that with this leper. <clears throat> And by miraculously cleansing this leper, the Lord was declaring to those around him right at that point in time that he was indeed the promised Messiah who fulfilled all of the prophecies of Isaiah, even as he stated on another occasion. And Matthew chapter 11, quoting from Isaiah, he said, And Jesus answered and said unto them, to the disciples of John the Baptist, Go and tell John the Baptist the things which you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed. You see, the cleansing of this leper miraculously by the Lord Jesus these very actions proclaim to the leper and to everyone else standing by that he was indeed the promised Messiah. That he was the one who could not only take away all of their diseases, but take away all of their iniquities. These were his actions upon the leper. But notice thirdly, the Lord's words to the leper. We've seen his disposition of heart his actions, and now the Lord's words to the leper. It's very interesting. The Lord Jesus now spoke to the leper as succinctly as the leper spoke to him. With divine authority, because the Lord Jesus is truly God as well as truly man, he announced, 
to the leper, and everyone could hear, I will be thou made clean. With his words, the Lord removed any and all doubts that might have been in the mind and heart of this leper. With his words, the Lord removed any and all concerns in the leper's heart, any and all fears. All was removed from this leper's mind and heart by the Lord Jesus Christ's simple words, I will be thou made clean. And with his words, the Lord proclaimed the reality of his sovereign grace. His sovereign grace and sovereign power, which he freely poured out upon this undeserving sinner, the leper. His sovereign grace, undeserved mercy, his sovereign power, he delivered him from his leprosy. And that leads us to our third point. We've seen the leper, the Lord. Now, thirdly, the liberation. The liberation. Notice in verse 42, first of all, it was immediate. This was not some hokey, fake, charismatic, Pentecostal, supposed healing. Go away, you're healed. The same problem. Oh, well, well it would take a few months. No. We're told in verse 42, and immediately or straightway the leprosy departed from him. You see, this leper didn't need to wait one millisecond for healing, for deliverance, for transformation, because Jesus Christ the Lord is the Creator. He's the Redeemer and the Creator, and He spoke. And liberation from leprosy and all of its effects and consequences was instantaneous. But notice, secondly, not only was it immediate, it was complete. Verse 42. His liberation from leprosy was complete. Mark tells us very simply, almost as though it was an afterthought on the part of Mark. Oh, and he was made clean. Just simple words. And he was made clean. Now, no doubt the leper's clothing still needed to be changed. But if you had examined his body from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet, you would not have found one deformity. You would not have found one abnormal growth, one lesion, one discoloration, you would have not found anything wrong in his entire body. There would have no longer been the smell of decaying flesh. Instead, kneeling, still kneeling before the Lord Jesus Christ was a man transformed with skin and face, limbs and hands and eyes and coloring and hair, as healthy as a man who had never contracted one sickness or one disease throughout his entire life. J.C. Ryle, an English commentator, and if you don't know who he is, you need to find out who he is. He's dead, but he still speaks, though being dead. J.C. Ryle's comments on the Gospels are really wonderful. So J.C. Ryle, about this leprous healing, the, the healing of the leper, wrote this. The morning sun rose upon him, 
a miserable being, more dead than alive. His whole frame a mass of sores and corruption, his very existence a burden. The evening sun saw him, full of hope and joy, free from pain and fit for the society of his fellow men. Surely the change must have been like life from the dead. And indeed, that's what we have here. It's like a picture of the resurrection. The leper before, he was like a dead man. But now, in the evening, after Jesus healed him, it's like he was raised from the dead in so many ways. So, brethren, we've seen the leper, the Lord, the liberation. But now let's consider some lessons from this passage. First of all, in the Bible... Leprosy is a sobering and compelling picture of the ravages of sin. It's a very sobering, compelling picture of the ravages of sin. So listen to me. Like leprosy, sin manifests itself initially in relatively small ways. No one became a leper one day clean, the next day their whole body is leprous. No. Start off very small ways. So like leprosy, sin manifests itself initially in relatively small ways and then spreads leading to other sins. Now don't misunderstand me. We are all born into this world as sinners. We are born spiritually dead though physically alive. We have the reality of the total depravity of our natures by sin. I'm not talking about those realities. I'm just saying sin manifests itself in small ways. Children, they're sinners. But if they don't repent of their sins and turn to Christ, by the time they're teenagers, they're uglier in more sin. And if they still don't repent of their sin as teenagers... As they grow older, they become even more sinful. And it's like leprosy. And like leprosy, sin is ugly. And we need to see that, spiritually speaking. And you might be here today as an unconverted man or woman, boy or girl, and you don't think sin is a big deal. You don't think sin is ugly. You like going out and getting drunk. You like going out and fornicating. You like all these sins. You don't think it's a big deal. It's not ugly to you, but it is ugly. You don't see it as you should see it because you are unconverted. You need to see it as God sees it. You need to see it like leprosy. And like leprosy, sin causes great damage in our lives. Sin disrupts our relationship with others. Sin separates and isolates us from others. And ultimately, if unrepented of, not turning to Christ, sin separates and isolates us from God for eternity. According to Leviticus 13, the garments which clothed a leper were only fit to be burned with fire. And those who die in their sins and not in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, will be burned in unquenchable fire forever. So there are similarities between leprosy 
and sin. But there are differences between lepers and lost sinners. All lepers earnestly long to be rid of their leprosy. Their leprosy is a grief and a burden. Lost sinners who are dead in their sins, they still cling to their filthy sins. Their sins are a delight, not a burden. They enjoy them, they're not a grief. So you see, there are differences. No leper wanted to die in leprosy. They wanted to be delivered. Lost sinners don't care at all that they're in their sins. So again, if you're here this morning and you know you are not a Christian and you see that in this place there are other people who are different from you and you talk to them and you realize they, they are different. Whatever they are, I'm not that. They're Christians and you're not. You need to come to your spiritual senses. You need to see that your sin is worse than leprosy. And you need to not be clinging to your sins. You need to be abandoning your sins and saying, Lord Jesus, I don't know you at this point in time, but I cry out to you for mercy. This is what I'm told I should do. I, I'm starting, I'm ignorant, but I come. But another lesson from this passage is that the Lord Jesus Christ is a gracious and almighty Savior of sinners. In the instantaneous healing of this leper, we must understand, all of us here need to understand with our minds and our hearts, we need to see and understand from this healing of the leper, nothing is too hard for the Lord Jesus Christ. With Jesus Christ, nothing is impossible. In this healing of the leper, we must also understand that the Lord Jesus Christ delights to be merciful to helpless, hopeless, and undeserving sinners. The Lord Jesus Christ is able to deliver from the malady of every sin, which is far greater a far greater evil than leprosy or cancer or COVID. No sin is so deeply rooted in your heart and life that the Lord Jesus Christ, the Almighty Savior, cannot deliver you from it, pardon you freely, cleanse you fully, and deliver you from it forevermore. Jesus Christ is almighty to save. Jesus Christ is graciously willing to save. No sin is too rotten in your heart that it cannot be forgiven, cleansed, removed, and you delivered from it. The worst of sinful spiritual lepers can be cleansed and forgiven through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his blood that he shed on the cross of Calvary as a sacrifice for sinners and for sin. So he is a gracious and almighty Savior. We need to see that in the healing of the leper. But thirdly, 
for all of us here, whether you are a true Christian or not, you must follow the leper's example. Like this leper in Mark chapter 1, you must see the truth about yourself spiritually. The leper did not boast about what a wonderful human being he was. No, the leper embraced the humbling truth about his helpless condition. And you must do the same. And even if you are a genuine believer in Jesus Christ, you know by experience and from the Word of God, apart from Christ, you can do nothing. But we see we should follow the leper's example. We accept and embrace who we are in all of our need and helplessness and sin. And like the leper, we must then go to the Lord Jesus Christ. You must go to Jesus Christ, whether sinner or saint, every day. For the sinner, hopefully the first time this day. But you must go to him just as you are with all of your filthy sins and stench. You see, the leper did not first go to a river to wash his body and then go to Jesus Christ. The leper did not go to the local salon and have his hair, which was all loose and gross, washed and then go to Jesus Christ. The leper didn't go to the, the men's store and buy new clothing. He didn't go to the perfume, perfume shop and buy some men's cologne so he didn't stink but smell better. No, you see, he came in all of his dirtiness, in all of his stench, in all of his ugliness, his deformities, his helplessness, his hopelessness, straight to Jesus Christ the Lord. He did that to receive help and mercy to receive deliverance, cleansing, to receive all. And all of us here, myself included, that's what we must do. We don't wait till I have fixed my life up. So you might be here as a Christian and you are struggling with remaining sin. It may be the desires of lust and you are repenting daily, but that lust is still there and you're grieved by it. And sometimes you feel, I can't go to Jesus right now because my lusts just seem to be so strong and powerful. I hate them, but I can't go to Jesus. I need to first read my Bible for a few days. You see, you act like a Roman Catholic. I have to do this, 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 this before I go to Jesus. You must repent, turn away from your sins, abandon them, but you go as a sinner still with remaining sin straight to Jesus Christ. And you say, Lord, this is the truth about my heart. Freely forgive me for my sins. Cleanse me. Deliver me. Transform me. You transform the leper. You can transform me from the inside out. Lord, I come to you and ask for that mercy as a believer. And if you're not yet a Christian, don't try to fix yourself up. Go now, where you're seated even, 
cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, have mercy upon me, the sinner. With all of my guilt and sin, have mercy upon me as you had mercy upon this leper. Forgive me for my sins. Wash me in your blood. Deliver me from them all. Jesus Christ is an almighty and gracious Savior of sinners. So follow the leper's example even this very day. Well, let's close now in prayer. Our sovereign God, we do acknowledge, we do confess, we do not deserve one drop of mercy from your hand. You owe us your righteous, holy wrath because of our horrible, horrible sins. But you so loved the world that you sent and gave your only begotten Son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And through the Apostle Paul you declared that Jesus Christ came into the world sinners to save. And so we pray that you would save sinners this very morning and that you would encourage your people in their faith in Christ and that you would help us to see and know and understand and love the Lord Jesus Christ better and better. We ask for these things in his worthy name. Amen.